This is Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry. And now, here's your host, healthcare benefits industry expert and the originator of the transparent health benefits movement, Lester Morales. Hey, everybody, welcome to Impact Healthcare. I am super excited to have a very unique guest who himself on his LinkedIn calls himself a insurance industry antagonist and champion. And I have to congratulate him for being a new pappy. And pappy is grandfather, for those of you that don't know. Kevin Trokey. Kevin, say hi to the Impact Healthcare audience and give a little introduction to you and your great organization. Oh, thank you, Lester. And, and hello, everybody. Thrilled to be here and get to be part of this great program. Q4 Intelligence, uh, Lester, for, for those who don't know, we've been around 12 years. Actually, this month is our 12-year anniversary, and we are a, a, a consulting firm. We work with some of the most forward-thinking independent agencies around the country. We have two specific divisions. One is our coaching division. And on that side, Lester, we work with them. Anything that has to do with these independent agencies growing their business, we are involved with, whether it's long-term vision setting, strategic planning, annual planning, leadership development, team development, solution utilization, you name it. But really all of that, we, we focus around the marketing and the sales conversation and, and helping them to change that conversation with the buyer in mind, more effectively taking control of, of their growth, the trajectory of their business. And, you know, we, to, to sum up our value proposition, we say our role is to help them put more of the right number of the right opportunities in the pipeline more predictably move those opportunities to close and then run a more efficient organization around those resulting clients. We've been doing that piece, that division for 12 years, literally worked with hundreds of agencies around the country. And then our most recent division, about four years old, is our marketing division. And we do everything that's outsourced marketing from website build, maintenance, marketing automation, building a premium content social media strategy, anything that has to do with developing the brand, communicating the brand, protecting the brand, we get involved with on on that side. And just uh, as a personal point of reference, before starting Q4i, I spent 17 years as a broker myself. So that's where the the antagonist and the champion comes from. I I know real excuses when I hear them, and I know head trash excuses, and we're not afraid to, uh, to sympathize with one and call out the other. And I think that is exactly why I reached out to you to have you as one of my first guests, because I think we see the world in the same light, uh, both that we've been in the same seat. So being that you work with some of the industry's best thought leaders and best agencies, what I wanted to do is focus on using you as trip advisor. So uh, what I mean by that is I think it's really important for everybody to take off the gloves and hear it straight from, you know, I'm not going to say the horse's mouth, but I am going to say somebody who can weed through the crap. And, And this is exactly what I'm hoping this podcast series turns into is this is not about, you know, gaining popularity votes or or winning prom king votes or anything like that. This is all about adding value. And so I thought we'd cover both sides today. 
looking at it for an employer. So Kevin, if employers out there, you know, so let's say our audience is going to be HR professionals, CFOs, CEOs of organizations that are offering a health benefits package to their employees and they're utilizing an insurance advisor. Let's start with that as the audience right now. What would you say the the let's go top 3. What are the top three things that that employer should either be asking their broker, should be expecting from their broker, uh, or anything that is going to have them leave this episode being a more knowledgeable, informed buyer? Yeah, absolutely. And and to just sort of set the stage as, as I will answer that question, Lester, because I suspect you might come back and you're asking it from the employer perspective and, and uh, I'm, I'm anticipating maybe you're going to come back around and ask it from the advisor perspective. And, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I will tell you, my answer will be the same for both sides. And I think they should be the same. And, and the reason why is, is, is we work with these agencies and we, we bring them a sales process. We do sales training. We do sales coaching. There's a natural pushback of, you know what? I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it for 25 years. I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm better off when I wing it. I don't really need a, a sales process. And that's one of those things where, you know, we'll call BS on that for, for all the reasons that, that, that I think probably can go unsaid. But now more than ever, you need a sales process, not because the salesperson needs it to be more consistent, although they, they need it for that reason, but the buyers need it. Well, what we like to frame this up is actually even more than being a sales process is it's a buying process. And as HR, as benefits, as just business in general and, you know, what 2020 brought us and what continues into 2021 – Life is more complex than it's been before. Business is more complex than it's been before. And things that were always challenging now absolutely become overwhelming. And if anybody wants to have a chance to make it feel a little more controllable, make it feel a little more manageable, be able to understand it at the level it needs to be understood, we need to take these big decisions, especially, I mean, healthcare is just such a prime example uh, of a big, overwhelming, scary, intimidating, mysterious, add all of the adjectives to it that you want, uh, decision that so often pushes people into paralysis. And we've got to all of a sudden break it down into its component parts, its manageable parts. So, you know, back to your question, what are the three things that uh, that I would recommend an employer be looking for in their advisor? Or if I were an advisor, what would I want to be taking to an employer? One, I want the advisor to recognize that their job shouldn't be to sell or to push a product or bring a solution. Their job is to be a problem solver. And and anybody that ever shows up with preconceived answers, if they show up on my doorstep with answers, I'm already suspicious as to their motivation. I'm already suspicious as to, to whose agenda they have in mind. That to me is a red flag. That, that the advisor has a personal agenda in mind. So one, don't show up with the answer. Show up with uh, your problem-solving hat on. And I'll, I'll just hit these high level, and then maybe you can kind of tell me, you know, where you'd want to go a little bit deeper. The second is it's all about education. Um, if I'm an employer, 
I want somebody that's going to take their time to educate me. Advisors, we have this level of understanding. We'd call it the curse of knowledge. And, uh, you know, the, the curse of knowledge, it's that, that old idea that you, you have an assumption that everybody's level of understanding and level of knowledge is within range of yours. And especially when it comes to healthcare, it's, it's just not. It's a complex beast that, that advisors have largely gotten under control. They, they largely have a, a mastery level knowledge of it, but employers just don't. And all of a sudden they're talking over their heads and wondering why their ideas don't resonate. So if I'm an employer, I need an advisor that can break that mastery level knowledge down to, you know, a remedial level. I, I always tell advisors, if if the advice you're about to give feels so obvious that it's almost embarrassing to let the words come out of your mouth, you're probably approaching the point that the buyer is going to start to understand it. So again, education slowing down to help me understand and take you know, take this in one bite size at a time. And then the last piece, the third one is a holistic approach. It's so easy to get caught up on one idea to to look at the the financial impact of the medical plan of, uh, you know, what health insurance costs, what health care costs. You know, we put that all together and think that that by itself is enough. And, and that becomes a dangerous first step because that may not be that employer's biggest concern. It's almost never their only concern. And if you don't step back and take into consideration all of the the other needs and solutions and challenges that are attached to that, you're, you're going to lose more often than not. And I think that's a, such an interesting, you know, vantage point that, you know, I, I, I fall guilty to this myself, right? It's, well, of course, it has to be saving money. Everybody wants to save money, right? And, you, and you're like, well, I don't understand how they don't understand this. So if you're it's sitting in front of an employer right now, how do they even cage these conversations themselves? So uh, they're presumably working with an insurance advisor right now. If it's more like um, the rest of the world, right there, they can't be necessarily happy with how much they're paying in healthcare. What things are you advising employers or what things would you, knowing that the solutions that you work with your clients on, what things would you be advising employers to be asking or letting an advisor know so that they could match up the process the right way and everybody could get out of it what they need to? What what questions would you be giving to employers? Well, you know, and, and I think by the time they're sitting across from the advisor, Lester, it's kind of too late to ask that question or to to offer those questions. The you know, that's where the marketing comes in. Mar- marketing is is that I don't know. It's almost a, a mystery box for so many in this industry. We don't really understand what it is. We don't understand how to use it. But I, I tell advisors all the time, you know, if you get hung up on marketing and what to do with it. Just replace the word education for marketing, and, and now you're probably going to be on track to talk about the right thing. So my advice to the to the employer is do your research online, which is where everybody does research anyway. No, Nobody has some weird fascination to just line up a half dozen brokers and learn all about them. Nobody cares. But they are out there searching for answers online that that affect their business, that affect them from an HR, that affect them from a benefits perspective. 
And my advice to the employers, do the research before you're even willing to sit down and meet with an advisor. You're going to have a really good sense based on what they're talking about on their website, what they blog about, how what they're talking about on social media, the ideas that they put out there. By the time they're sitting down with the salesperson, they should have a very good idea of what is different about this advisor, what kind of ideas they're going to bring, how they help put those ideas in place. Sales, you know, a, a sales process without marketing is going to be a, a really frustrating effort. It's going to almost be a futile effort. The answer has to start with educating that buyer, and that has to start through your marketing message. Yes, it carries through to the sales, but that's where it's going to start. I love it. I love it. And this is an interesting question, and I'd be curious to see your opinion on this. I started my career and worked most of my brokerage career at a very large consulting firm. You had talked about the realities of most of your clients are more the independent broker. So on different ends of the spectrum, when you think about the word marketing and the education and things of that nature, do you boil that down to the individual advisor or do you boil that down to the institution? How do you look at that? Because again, I think depending on where you've been reading your mail, you might have a preconceived notion, but see, being that you've seen it on both ends, is there such thing as too small of a broker or too big of a broker? What's your thoughts about that? Well, I think both sizes, Lester, offer, there's pros and cons to, to both. And if you are in that, that large brokerage, as you're talking about where you came from, the individual's only going to have probably a chance through their social media presence, through, um, you know, any kind of one-on-one outreach that they do to be able to establish that brand. But it's still critically important to establish the personal brand. And in that situation, it does need to be aligned with the organizational brand. You know, that that's where, you know, branding and marketing, it's not just about attracting the right clients. It's about attracting the right team members. And so you have to come together and share that vision and share that brand and share that mission. But the, the agencies that we work with, you know, they do, they're much closer to that control. The agencies that we work with tend to be the smaller single location, maybe two or three locations. And so the, the they're just not that far removed and they're able to more effectively control it at all levels. Got it. Got it. And you had mentioned about kind of the education piece. Again, being that you're helping the uh, advisors craft the education, what's one or two things you would tell an employer that maybe they've never heard of? So like, let's suppose that uh, I've been working with the same broker for 25 years. It's my brother-in-law, it's my hunting buddy, it's one of my attorney brothers. I mean, the, the things that we hear in our business, what are, what are a couple of things that you might leave an employer with that on that education that they need to, if they're not hearing it, they need to go out and, and search for it? Well, and, and it's really, it, it's so nuanced, Lester. It, it, it's not so much that it should be new ideas or new solutions. It's just the way you utilize those solutions. So many brokers, advisors, and, you know, just you debate back and forth, you know, broker, advisor, whatever. But they show up at renewal looking for a chance to quote. They come in with these big ideas. And you got to realize they're coming into a situation where there's 
I mean, to be kind, there's a lack of trust. They don't, people don't trust our industry. They don't trust anybody associated with it. And as a whole, that that's for very good reason. But they're meeting you for the first time. They, they don't know the difference. So there's a lack of trust. You show up with ideas that sound too good to be true, with ideas that they don't understand. And you, you how, how can there be any shock when you can put a spreadsheet in front of them and say, well, there's a million dollars of savings. And then advisors, they're just their jaws are on the floor because they can't figure out why do they not take this idea? Why did they not take the solution? Well, it's because they don't trust it. They don't believe it. It sounds too good to be true. There, there must be something hidden somewhere. And with the lack of transparency that has existed in this industry, that's probably, unfortunately, a fair assumption to jump to. And now you add in everything that we went through that we are still going through with the pandemic and, and, and employers, they're just change fatigue. They're like no more change, even if they believe it, even if they see it, even if they can they can see the dots that's going to get them to to that big savings. They are literally saying, I am not going to force any more change on my employees that I don't absolutely have to. And this right now is not a have to. I will suck it up. I will I, I will pay more than what I understand that I need to, but I'm not bringing any more change. So it, you've got to, you know, going back to the original question, what should they look for? Well, you know, don't show up at renewal. If you're showing up at renewal, you're insulting me as an employer because you're asking me to change advisors. There, there's two significant decisions to make. Renewal, you have to make a decision about the plan. You have to make a decision about the carrier, the plan designs, contribution strategy. And now you're going to come into an employer and tell them not only do you have to make that decision, but I want you to make another maybe even more significant decision. And that is who is your advisor? That, that's just that, that, that is such an, an arrogant, absolutely inconsiderate time to be having that discussion with an employer. Show up off renewal. Take the time to slow down and say, hey, look, we as an industry have done a disservice to employers. When we show up at renewal, that's not fair. There's two distinct decisions. Let's just talk about how we break those apart. Let's talk about how you put yourself in position to make the best decision at renewal. But let's talk about how the decision that comes before that is who is the advisor that's going to take the time, understand you, why you invest into a benefit program, how you, what your philosophies are with your employees. Let's evaluate the, the options that are out there that could potentially make sense for you. Slow down, educate you on each and come to an informed decision about what is the right strategy, not just for the upcoming renewal, but over the next two, three, four, five. That's what an employer should be looking for. Somebody that's going to show up as a true advisor to take the time and who shows up not with the purpose of selling something, but showing up with the purpose of helping you make better buying decisions than anybody has ever helped you make before. That's, that's a uh, fantastic advice. And I think so often employers, to your point, the, the disservice our industry has provided I don't think employers think that there's anything that they can do, right? It's just kind of one of those deals that, you know, people have always just brought me my renewal, said that, you know, I've shopped it to the same four carriers and that's all you can do. So to your point, I mean, we get frustrated as an industry about, you know, 
how slow or long the sales cycle is, but we've kind of done this to ourselves and, and trained people the, the wrong behavior. I, I really appreciate that vantage point. Well, and, and I think advisors, they, they, they hurt themselves and they hurt their prospects and clients at the same time as they go out and, and I'm as big a fan of value-based insurance design, the creative solutions. I, I love all of the answers that exist out there in the market right now. But I get so upset. I get personally offended when I see advisors go out there and they go on these ridiculous rants. They they get on these bully pulpits. They are trying to take the same square peg and pound it in every round hole out there. And they don't take the time to really understand it themselves. They, they, they learn these things and they get excited at a very superficial level. But to me, a sign of really understanding something is when you can slow down, you can take a breath, you can have a conversation, you can allow the ideas to be challenged, you you can allow the, the buyer to question it, to challenge you, to tell you, I don't believe it, this is too good to be true. But too many of them, they, they just don't take the time to understand it at that level or slow down to build the buyer up to that level of education. They just try to hit them between the eyes with it right out of the gate. And yeah. and they lose credibility. They just lose so much credibility, right? Out of the gate. And you know, and what they what they don't know is every prospect that has seen these rants, that have, have seen these these extreme positions that they take that they never get to have a conversation with because the buyer, the potential buyer, found that offensive or however they might view it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's you know. It's kind of the, you know, you can't be on either side, right? You can't be spineless and not have a opinion, but you also can't be a jackass and and be, you know, all over social media ranting either. So I, I, I completely agree with that. If we stay on the top three, so I love the fact of your overview that quite honestly, my opinion and my advice for employers would be the same advice as what I would have to advisors. I'm going to switch it up on you then here and say, being that, again, you are a expert in the field, what are maybe some, let's, let's have you do some education. What's one thing, what's two things that you want to share Again, staying with the employer audience, share with the employers that is possible if they took the time to educate. So let's say that they feel that this is a safe place. Give me one thing that uh, you do feel, man, as I see this implemented, it's driving significant value. And, and I would tell most employers that maybe they should they should look out for this. That, that one's actually, I don't want to say a simple idea. I won't say that it's easy to execute, but it's it's just about effective communication of whatever happens to be in place, Lester. It is, I don't care if you are providing a, a fully insured BUCA plan, if you are out there bringing in the, the most creative new solutions that exist in the marketplace. The key to success, the key to employee confidence, the key to the ROI for the dollars and the hours an employer invests into it it's all about communication. I mean, there's an old McKinsey study. I've, I've quoted it for years. And it's that the cost of the typical benefit program could be reduced by 20% if it were only communicated effectively. And, and that can be interpreted for any type of medical plan that's put in place. And the, the idea behind it was if you went out and 
you did an employee survey and you asked on a scale of one to 10, how, how valuable do you consider your benefits? And if it's not properly communicated, if it's the approach that the typical employer and advisor might take doing an open enrollment and, you know, whatever else uh, they, they might do, let's say you get a score of 7.2 and you've spent a million dollars on that program to get that 7.2. The idea behind McKinsey is you could spend 800000 instead of the million, but if you take the time just to communicate and educate the employees regularly so they understand that they know how to use the benefit program, you can you can get that same 7.2 satisfaction score for 20% less spend. So that just applies everywhere. When, when you take the time whether you're an advisor with the, the employer, whether you're an employer with the employees, and you say, hey, look, this is complicated stuff. You don't use it every day. Not only am I going to communicate it to you once, I'm going to communicate it to you many times. You're going to communicate it to you in, in, in different platforms and, in, in, you know, different learning, you know, audio, visual, factoring all those in. That's the one thing. I don't care. Anything else that you're doing, whatever you provide, Invest in effective communication strategy, and you're going to get more mileage, more ROI than than probably anything else you could do. Yeah, I, I chuckled when you said communication because I joke at the advisor that I was, right? I remember the eight-page color, you know, glossy brochure, right? And on the back page, I remember I, ha- I had this hung up in my office for years making fun of myself. On the back page, I remember we would throw the five or six different carriers, you know, their medical, their life, their disability, whatever. We would throw their name on their their website and a different phone number and then ask, why don't employees understand this, right? It's like, wait a second, you gave them a glossy brochure. It's got eight different phone numbers. Nobody likes this subject to begin with, but the reality of it is you just threw more confusing things at me. So I 100% agree with you. And and here's the thing, and, and this applies to an employer communicating to employees, an advisor communicating to the employer, you know, and, and so before I said you you could replace marketing with education. You can replace marketing with communication, communication with education. It all goes together. And, and one of the pieces of advice that I've been giving advisors during the pandemic, they, they have to keep their pipeline filled. They, they have to prospect, but nobody wants to come across as tone deaf. Nobody wants to be insensitive. And one of the, the pieces of advice is you've got to help the employer better understand everything that's going on right now. I mean, how many emails with attachment PDFs, Lester, have you seen that are just page after page after text heavy after text heavy? And how many of those words do you think ever actually get read? I mean, there's unbelievably valuable content in there, but I tell the advisors, Whatever your third-party source may be for the information that you send out to, to prospects and clients, that's great. Send it out. But take the time to read it yourself. Take the time to read it. Know that it's worth sending. But more than that, pull out the two nuggets. What are, what are those two little nuggets that might take 30 seconds total to read that in that 30 seconds, I'm actually going to get insight. I'm going to learn something. There's something I may take action on or I might find a compelling reason to dig deeper into page two, you know, paragraph three to actually get something out of it. Taking the time to put yourself in the seat of that buyer, they're overwhelmed, they're scared, they don't know where to turn, they don't have time to read through it. 
That's your role as an advisor. That's your role as an employer to know your audience, whether as an employer, your audience is the employee, whether as an advisor, your audience is the employer, and you've got to bring the information to where they are. I agree. I've been guilty of that myself, right? So I I can totally appreciate that. So given my title of this podcast, Impact Healthcare, you know, I want to leave, let's stay with the employer because I, I, I love I love where we've been going because the reality of it is if we're adding value to employers by default, we're adding value to advisors. If you had to suggest as an industry expert, the process in which an employer gets educated learns these new or or just learns more, you know, meets new people. How would you suggest to an employer knowing that obviously they have a full-time job, but the reality of it is healthcare is typically, you know, the second or third largest expense on their P&L. So it's a big number. How would you suggest over the course of the year that they might go around and go about the education process? Well, And that's where I think the right advisor comes into play. I I don't feel, Lester, that the the employer should feel the burden to go out and educate themselves at the level that that advisors know. I mean, you know, that's the way they they have attorneys that know employment law. They have attorneys that know corporate law. They, they, They have all these advisors that are specialists in certain areas. And they need to have their knowledge up to the point that they can pick the advisor that is the right fit for them. And the benefits shouldn't be any different. They need to educate themselves to be aware of the big picture, what's possible, what a real advisor can do. But then pick the advisor and empower them to be a partner, not the cliche partner that, you know, the the label that we toss around all the time, but somebody who's really going to take the time to understand. And I think that the, the one way that I would suggest an employer Beyond going out, doing the research, you know, looking at the website, reading the blog, following on social media with the advisor and, and with the advisor's firm. But the, the litmus test comes down to the conversation that takes place when they eventually sit down face to face with that advisor. And if that advisor shows up and they're talking about themselves, how long they've been in business, the carriers they represent, if they show up with a, a three ring binder capabilities presentation of all the stuff that they have, that's not your real advisor. Those things are important. I'm not going to take away from that. But the real advisor that employer needs to be that kind of partner to help supplement the level of education to, to really be their source of education is somebody that doesn't show up talking about a solution, doesn't show up talking about pharmacy, doesn't show up talking about direct primary care, doesn't show up talking about any of the solutions, but they show up prepared to talk about the problems that they're eventually able to solve with that. That's the advisor that an employer should be looking for. Somebody that sits down with me, helps me recognize problems that I'm already aware of, helps me come to appreciate problems that I haven't even yet recognized, but has a conversation about how that impacts me that will eventually lead to those solutions. And when an employer has had that kind of conversation with an advisor, when that conversation's over, they can honestly sit back and say, you know what, I understand our business, what's holding us back, where we need to be going, how we can get there. I understand that at at a more profound level than before I had this particular conversation. 
the conversation has to deliver so much value that an employer would, would actually be willing to pay for the privilege of sitting down with an advisor going through it, even though it might be the sales process, the buying process. But that's the kind of value that should be the litmus test that an employer is looking to know that they're about to partner with the right advisor. Awesome. And, you know, I think that just sums up one of the things that I always encourage everybody in our industry to carry themselves like and and also employers to expect that you have professional services advisors, whether it is your attorney, your accountant, your your insurance advisor should be sitting at that table. When you talk about your human capital, your people costs, that's your number one expense when you talk about salaries and benefits and, and to either relegate or not give enough time to the process, to the advisor with that corresponding impact to your organization. Because I just talked about hard dollar costs. I mean, when we start getting into soft dollar costs of productivity and recruiting and retention and all that stuff, it, it, it's by far your biggest thing. So I agree totally. And, and Lester, and, and this this goes to my, my champion of the industry moniker, uh, not only should a benefits advisor be sitting at that table, I would say they should be sitting at the head of the table. With, with all due respect to the attorney, the banker, the CPA, there is no advisor that when when they do their job the way it needs to be done, the way employers need them to do it, there's no advisor that makes a bigger impact on their business. When a benefits advisor approaches their role the way that we've been talking about, they impact the business of their clients strategically. They impact them financially, obviously. They impact them operationally. And they even impact the emotion of the business because of the connection they have to the employees. Tell me any of those other advisors that have an impact strategically, financially, operationally, and emotionally. There's not one. I I mean, I think it's just a perfect way to end this. I mean, again, I, I can't imagine a employer listening to that and not being able to take this one thing away, which is, is the relationship that they have with their advisor, is it is it checking those four boxes, right? I mean, are they holding themselves? Are they demanding the level of service, the level of education, the level of holistic approach to their business, the problem solving that they're getting, are they are they demanding of the industry? And and I gotta tell you, as somebody also like you who who works with advisors, who's ran advisors, I could tell you the industry doesn't demand the nearly enough uh, from us. So Kevin, I appreciate you as a guest. I appreciate your level of no BS to raise the bar in our industry. If an advisor is listening out there and they want to continue chatting with you. If an employer says, you know what, uh, maybe I need to get introduced to an advisor because this guy knows a bunch. Where can the audience find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they follow you? LinkedIn is uh, going to be the probably the, the easiest place for anybody. Just go there, put in, uh, put my name in, Kevin Trokey, T-R-O-K-E-Y, for, for those just listening in, not familiar with it. Um, that's the easiest place to find it. If anybody wants to email me, it's Kevin at Q, the number four, I-N-T-E-L, Kevin at Q4Intel.com. That'll do it too. But I'm out on LinkedIn every day. That's an easy place to find me. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you so much for adding value. Thank you to the listeners 
For those of you listening that want to keep in touch with us, this will be posted to impacthealthcare.fm. That's impacthealthcare.fm. Go there. You'll be able to find all of our episodes, download them, and follow us on social media. And also, this is connected to our Transparent Health Benefits uh, THB.health website. Kevin, thanks so much. Thanks, Lester. And audience, thanks so much. And let's go out there and impact healthcare. You've been listening to Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry with Lester Morales. Remember, the journey to getting 20% savings on your healthcare benefits starts with total transparency. Visit impacthealthcare.fm backslash journey to access leading industry case studies, compelling member stories, and to check out all of our podcast episodes. That's impacthealthcare.fm backslash journey. Remember to subscribe to the Impact Healthcare podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.